0: Good morning, game changers, and welcome to Life Church X Online. We're so glad that you're joining us today. I want to invite you for just a moment before we get into the message to say hello and greet someone in the comments section below. Anyone that you recognize who is tuned in live with us today. Also, we'd love to hear where you're watching from, city and state, location from around the nation, possibly the world. It's always exciting to see how people are tuning in from such a large geographical reach. God is good, and he is helping us to utilize technology to get the word out and get our messages out more effectively than ever before. As most of you know, we're online only today And I want to thank you for all of your prayers and support over the last week and a half as we've had to process a lot of difficult information and decisions regarding how to handle in-person services. We believe that we have made the best possible decisions that we could with the information available through the leading of the Lord and through the prayers of our congregation. So we thank you. Please continue to stay updated with information this week as we approach coming together for in-person services again on next weekend. Also want to remind you that we will be kicking off our e-learning centers in both our Waterloo and Jerseyville campus this week. We were delayed just one week from our uh, initial target date, but we will continue moving forward, which is exciting. Please continue also to keep that program in your prayers as well. Let's get into the Word today. If you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We will read just the first couple of verses here. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. Let's pray. Lord, we invite you to... Just have your way with us today, God. Have your way in our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, that you would bring revelation to our spiritual eyes, that we would see the things that you desire for us to see, that we could peer into deeper levels of your character and your nature, God, and who you are to us. We thank you, Lord, that you are moving and working on behalf of your people, no matter what is going on in this world. And we continue to stand firm in that promise and in faith, knowing that you are a God who does the impossible. We just give everything to you in this service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let me just ask you a question as we begin. How many of you have been in a situation or maybe you know someone who has been in a situation where they've come to the Lord, they have given their hearts to Jesus and are what we would describe from the Bible as born again, but for whatever reason there is something in their lives where they just continue to circle this same mountain over and over, almost like they're stuck in a rut in some scenario, that they can't seem to get past. Have you ever been there before? Do you know people who have been there before? I would imagine every one of us can attest to that. What, what is it about certain circumstances, certain situations, that can cause us to just get stuck in a place where, in our heart, we don't want to, But for whatever reason, we just keep circling the same mountain, the same obstacle, the same challenges over and over again. Look, I've had the opportunity now after being in ministry for a number of years to see people who have circled the same mountain for decades in their life, even gone on to be with the Lord after circling what seemed like the same mountain again and again and never really getting past that. I believe that part of the answer is given here in these scriptures that we just opened up with. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he is saying something very interesting here. He says, I cannot speak to you or write to you, communicate with you as your apostle, as your leader, uh, as I would to spiritual people. He says, I have to communicate with you as carnal people, all right? We have to dig into those words to kind of understand some of what's going on here. But what you'll find is when he says, I I wanna communicate with you like spiritual people, but I can't, that means people who are led by and live by the Spirit in everything they do that are reaching a point of spiritual maturity and strength. That's why he says that, we could have solid food. When we grow to spiritual maturity, we can actually receive more solid food or stronger doses of the word and instruction. But he says, that's not the case. I have to communicate with you like carnal people. Now, this is interesting because a few verses later, I'm sorry, earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says something like this. He says, the natural man Cannot receive things of the Spirit of God. Only the spiritual man can. So the natural man really refers to the state of a person before they've experienced salvation. The condition of an individual who's not yet been born again. They're just entirely alive only in the flesh. Okay? He's not saying that they're natural anymore, but he is saying that they're carnal, not spiritual. So they're not spiritually mature. They're like babes in Christ, which is okay in the beginning when we first come to the Lord, but that should change as we grow in our faith and with the Lord. He says, that's not happened. You're still in a carnal state, which means this. It means that even though you have the Spirit of God in you and you want to live the right way, you're still thinking and acting more in line with the ways of the flesh. You're thinking and acting carnally. You're led more by the flesh than you are by the spirit. And so that's affecting how I can communicate with you. You see, I think a lot of times when people get stuck in a place in their life, in a rut, unable to really break through, there can be other factors, of course, in play. But many, many times what you'll find is that they are still thinking and acting more on a carnal level than in line with the leading and guiding of the Spirit that's actually come to live on the inside of them and brought new life to them. Paul says we have to be born again, but then we have to be led by and walk in that Spirit that has also brought the life to us, if that makes sense. So let's jump on to another passage here in Romans chapter 12 that starts to dig into what I would call the meat of where we're going today. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul introduces this powerful truth that the believer essentially has two options. They can renew their mind and be transformed so that they don't think and act carnally, but are led by the Spirit, or they can not be renewed in their mind and transformed, and they will conform to the world's system and the world's way of thinking. They will live more in line with the flesh and the world than they will the spirit and the supernatural things of God. Conformity is very interesting because If you look at what that means, if you were to melt, let's say, silver or gold, and then you would pour it into a mold so that it would take the form and take the shape of something, maybe a vessel or an artifact, whatever that might be, they would melt the metal and then pour it into a mold, and it would take the form and take the shape of that, and it would harden to that uh, exterior. That's what he means when he says, don't let your mind be conformed to the world. He means it it will literally bend and just shape and conform, fit into everything that the flesh and the natural and the world says if you allow that to happen. But the alternative is, he says, don't do that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So folks, this is what I want to say to us today is that the way we think The power of our thoughts cannot be, listen, cannot be underestimated in how significant it is towards the outcome and the fulfillment of our destiny that God has created us for here in this world. You could say it this way, so go the thoughts of a man or woman, so goes the destiny of that man or that woman. Look, the National Science Foundation did some research a number of years ago, and they came back with a study that revealed the average person has up to 50,000 thoughts in a day, in one single day. What was more interesting is they said about 95% of those thoughts were repetitive or uh, consistent over and over again. Here's why that's something that's interesting to me. Is because when you look at the human mind, not to sound like a neurosurgeon here, but I've done a lot of research on this. When you look at the human mind, you basically have what's called the conscious and the subconscious mind. The conscious mind processes what's happening in the here and now, what's going on, making decisions real time. But the subconscious mind is like a massive database of stored information based on all of our experiences, all of our programming, past learning, even since we were a little kid. And that stored information, listen, no matter how right or wrong it might be, that stored information is influencing and affecting how we are processing conscious decisions every single day. Let's take, for example, a young boy or a young girl that grows up never hearing from their parents that they're good enough or that they're proud of them or that they're beautiful the way that they are. Many times those young children will grow up and they will develop these conditions where they will begin to seek that approval or seek that validation from many other places because they never received it from their parents. Or in other cases, they have a difficult time relating to their Heavenly Father as a loving God who's proud of them and who loves them the way that they are because that's not the way they were brought up or they were conditioned in their mind over years and years and years. And so what happens is the subconscious becomes established And there's things called neuropaths that develop, which are literally paths of wiring in our brains that are formed from continual thoughts again and again and again. Those neuropaths are like easy paths for thoughts to travel down that basically line up with old ways of thinking and programming. Are you seeing where I'm going with this today? This is why when we come to Christ, when we are born again That our minds must also continue to be renewed and transformed so that our minds begin to think more in line with the way that God thinks than they are thinking according to our past experiences and programming that we might have grown up with that could be very contradictory and dysfunctional to the way God sees things and wants us to see things. So in order for us to continue to move forward in our purpose, and our destiny, we have to think more and more like God thinks and less and less like the world would think. Does that make sense? So let's take a look at these verses today in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to break some things down. I'm going to focus in on three words in particular in this passage that we're going to dive more into. But before I get into that, I want to show you a quick slide that I think will really stress the importance of why our thoughts are so significant to the outcome of our purpose and destiny. You see, whatever we think about over and over again, the things that we process in our mind repetitively ultimately will lead to our actions, Right? So if you look at this slide, it shows you that thoughts end up leading to actions. The Bible tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Let me say that another way. As we think again and again in our thoughts, we will eventually act these things out in our behavior. Right? We know that. So whatever continues to process in our thoughts over and over will eventually spill its way out into our actions. Jesus even went as far as to say something like this. He said, the law says not to commit adultery, but I tell you not even to lust after someone in your heart because that's a sin. So I don't know if you catch this, but Jesus actually backs up before the action and identifies the sin as beginning and starting even in the thought life. Because he knew that if we continue to harbor those thoughts and those sinful thoughts, eventually they're going to lead to actions that we will carry out as well, right? And so we know that thoughts lead to actions. Actions over and over again, repeated, lead to behavior. Do you see that? When we continue to do things again and again, we form behavior patterns and those neuropaths in our brain begin to get burned in according to those repeated actions or behavior and eventually our behavior over our lifetime leads us to the destiny that we live so whatever the outcome of our life is when we go to be with Jesus one day, whatever the outcome of that we'll have had great significance uh, based on what our thoughts, if you back that down, what our thoughts have been throughout our lifetime. So let's take a look at three words in the passages of Romans 12, verse 2. The first one is renew. Renew. To renew means to have a process of renewal, and in this case, something that is achieved by God's power. We know that whenever we give our hearts to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, and we are, the Bible tells us, renewed in our spirit. There's a process of renewal. We are made new in Christ. That's amazing to think about. That same kind of renewal here in Romans 12, Paul is saying that renewal, that process of being renewed needs to also happen in your mind and in your way of thinking. So if we take a look at how the Spirit is renewed when we're born again, we also see that one day whenever we go to be with Jesus in heaven, our bodies will be renewed We will actually get new heavenly bodies. But while we're walking here in this earth, in our relationship with Christ, it's important that our minds are continually being renewed so that we are thinking more and more the thoughts of Christ and less and less like the ways of the world. We have to have a renewed mind. We have lifetimes of experiences, environments, training, and programming, and they will not just correct themselves. We have to have our minds renewed and transformed so that we can begin to think in line with the way God wants us to think towards the parts of our destiny that He has planned for us. We will not think on that level if our mind is not being transformed, do you understand that? So if we come to Christ and our spirits are renewed, but our minds are not being renewed, then we are not going to think and act and walk out our destiny in line with the way Jesus wants us to. It all begins with the renewing of our mind so that our thoughts begin to influence our actions and thus our behavior that affects ultimately the outcome of our destiny. The second word that I want to touch on here in, those, in that verse is the word mind. The word mind, which basically means our capacity to exercise reflective thinking Our mind is the place that we make rational decisions where we process information, okay? So that part of us is something that Jesus wants to continue renewing for us again and again and again throughout our walk here on this earth. Now, I want to ask you to think about something that, in my opinion, is pretty profound. Jesus had a mind, has a mind. He has a mind because he has thoughts, he has a will, and he has the ability to make decisions, right? We see the mind of Jesus on full display in many, many cases as he's making decisions while he was walking on this earth. The reason I say that is because the Bible tells us that we are to exchange our own mind for the mind of Christ, as we are being renewed, we are exchanging our old ways of thinking and replacing them with new ways of thinking that are the ways of Jesus himself. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may, list, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is powerful. What these verses say is we have the mind of Christ, or you could say it like this, we hold or possess the mind of Christ. So that will, those thoughts, those emotions, everything about Jesus' mind, we possess that because the Holy Spirit, the person of God, dwells and lives on the inside of us in our temples. So the mind of Christ is actually alive and living on the inside of us, dwelling with our spirits. Isn't that profound? And he says that we possess the mind of Christ. So our endeavor and the process that happens when our minds are being renewed is that we are exchanging our mind and our old ways of thinking For new ways of thinking that are heavenly and superior to anything, listen, carnal or natural. Does that make sense? We become spiritually mature more and more as we think more in line with the way that Jesus thinks. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 30. He said, I will no longer talk with you much, for the ruler of this world is coming And he has nothing in me. You see, Jesus was saying the enemy has tried to attack me on every front. In my body, physically. He's tried to attack me in my mind and in my thoughts. But he's never penetrated. He's never made his way in. And Jesus is inviting us into that kind of life of strength and fortitude where our minds are being ruled by the spirit and they are not vulnerable and subject to the attacks of the enemy like unfortunately many people experience all the time. The enemy gets in their thoughts and he has his way and then he just influences everything from there in their actions because he is having so much control over the thoughts that people are entertaining. Look, Jesus, just like he, can't, he will not force our will to choose Him as our Savior. He will not force our thoughts either. He will not force us to have thoughts that He wants us to, but He invites us into a way of living and a way of relationship with Him where he offers us the opportunity to have our minds renewed and transformed so that we can exchange old ways of thinking for his thoughts. I just think that's so powerful. And until we think like God thinks, we won't make decisions like God would make, which means that we won't live out our life the way God is calling us to. People who are stuck in a rut, who are circling the same mountain again and again, many, many times have never exchanged their old ways of thinking for new ways of thinking. They love the Lord, sure. Um, You know, they have given their heart to Christ, but they've never allowed their minds to be renewed and transformed, and so they're still processing information more in line with the worldly environment and the things that are natural instead of things that are supernatural. The last point that I want to get to, the last word, uh, is transformed. Transformed. So once our minds have been renewed or are being renewed, the verses here tell us that it is now in a transformed state. Okay? Let's go back to the conscious and subconscious. You could say that our subconscious mind has been reprogrammed and rewired, and new neuropaths are being formed, and the way that we're thinking is now different than where it was before. The word in the Greek "transformed" is a word "metamorphu." It's actually where we get the English word "metamorphosis" from that describes how a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. The reason I point this out is because you have to understand how powerful this truth really is. When our minds are renewed and they become transformed, we are not thinking along any of the same wavelengths that we previously were, which is a good thing. We are now thinking along the lines of a heavenly wavelength in a transformed state. Let me give you an example. I have here a piece of wood, a log. If I were to look at this log under a microscope, I would be able to detect its molecular structure and see how all of the atoms and particles are bound together and see what this looks like uh, up close. Now, if I took that log and I just chopped it up into a bunch of kindling, yeah, the physical shape might change. But it won't look any different underneath a microscope. Does that make sense? The molecular structure is still exactly like it was before. In fact, I could go a step further and I could grind this thing up into sawdust. I'm going to make a mess up here, but I'm trying to get you to see that little bitty fine dust, right? Even then, I'm still going to be looking at the same molecular structure underneath a microscope if I look at sawdust than I would if I was looking at this log. But let's change the conditions now and no longer have a physical change. Let's actually have a chemical change. And let's burn that log into a piece of hardened charcoal. There's a chemical reaction and change that has taken place in the wood. And if I were to now examine this underneath the microscope, the molecular structure would be completely different. Why? Because it's been transformed. It's actually changed states from what it previously was. You see, a lot of times people don't have their minds transformed And so, even though they want to believe that they're making different decisions or choices, they're really still thinking along the same lines of old thought patterns. But when Jesus begins to renew our minds, it moves into a transformed state. We are now more in line with spiritual things than we are natural things because we've been renewed and transformed in our ways of thinking. I hope that that illustration kind of paints a picture for you today. It's always helped me to be able to understand these passages, and I love that the Lord gives us some good indication in the scriptures about metamorpho or transformation and how it relates to our minds. So you might ask yourself, okay, how exactly does this process work? I want my mind to be transformed. I want to think more like Christ thinks and less like the world and old old thought patterns. How do I do that, Pastor Matt? Well, really the answer is very simple. It's very simple in the fact that it only takes the living Word of God being fed into our soul to wash over and transform our minds, okay? When Jesus came to a Samaritan village in John chapter 4, he met a Samaritan woman, and they were actually talking about this well that they were drinking from. And the Samaritan woman said, you know, this well is our father's well that comes back from the lineage of our ancestors. And and Jesus said something along the lines of, that's great, But if you drink from this well, you're just going to continue to get thirsty again. And really, this well eventually is going to run dry, and it won't be here forever. In fact, there's probably some toxins and pollutants that were down in that water because it wouldn't have been perfectly pure. But Jesus contrasts that to himself when he says, whoever drinks of me drinks of living water that is pure and perfect and will never thirst again. What Jesus was saying is that me and my words are pure and perfect and have the ability to cleanse and wash your mind and your soul and your spirit. Right? Listen to this in Isaiah chapter 55. Think of the word of God like it comes in and cleans out the inner wells of our minds and our thoughts. It comes in and purifies and cleanses those things as it's being allowed to be fed in. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now listen to this. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So he likens his words to rain that's flowing down from heaven washing and saturating the ground and enriching it for good fertile growth that's what the word of god does to our inner man it cleanses it washes it renews and transforms all those things in us from the inside out let's go back to that slide again for a second If our thoughts lead to our actions, listen, if we want to change our behavior and we want to see different outcomes in our life, we could make a strong case that we back that down to how we are thinking and the process of our minds being renewed by the rain or word of God being fed into our soul. It's so important that Proverbs says it this way, chapter 4, verse 20, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, do not let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Love these passages. The author here is telling us, Solomon is telling us, that you need to guard the entry points into your inner man. He, he speaks about our eyes and about our ears. Those things are like the gates into our soul. Whatever we entertain, whatever we look at, whatever we allow ourselves to see and listen to, I hope that you don't underestimate how important it is for you to regulate what you see and hear. Because what you see and what you hear is allowed to pass through the gate in your mind into your soul, and it will begin to affect everything that happens from that point on in and through you. That's why he says you must guard it with all diligence And meditate day and night on my word. God said the same thing to Joshua. Meditate on this word day and night so that you guard the entry points into your soul. Folks, can I just ask you this question today? How well do you regulate the things that you see and that you hear? I hope that we would all say after this message today that we're going to do an even better job at regulating what we see and hear, recognizing that it is filling into that inner well in us and will affect what happens outwardly. That's why Proverbs says, guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it spring the issues of life. All matters pertaining to our life, all of your relationships, all of your activities, your endeavors, your ministry, everything is being affected by the outflow in you of what has been happening on the inside, in your thoughts and in your soul which are obviously being driven by what we are allowing in. That's why he says the word of God is the main thing that needs to flood your soul because it will continue to renew and transform your mind. And folks, man, I'm telling you, as you continue to see this process happen in and through you, you're going to find yourself truly saying, I have the mind of Christ I possess and hold the mind of Christ, and I am continuing to be renewed and transformed in my thoughts and in my ways of thinking and my actions and my behaviors to be more and more like the person that Christ has created me to be. You see, as the Word fills in us, the Holy Spirit that witnesses and reveals the hidden things of God to us is the agent of transformation. You don't have to do this on your own. Frankly, you can't do it on your own. But you must exercise your will and begin to yield to the will of God. Allow the word to fill your soul continuously so that it can wash and transform everything about the way you see, think, and process decisions here in this earth. And the Holy Spirit, who is the agent of transformation, renews our spirits when we're born again as he comes to live on the inside of us. And the Holy Spirit takes that living word of God as we receive it and feast on it and take it in. The Holy Spirit takes that living word of God and literally washes our minds and our thoughts and our ways of thinking to become more and more like those of Christ. Isn't that powerful stuff to think about? We are ministered to by Him. We hear the Word, and as it mixes with our faith, it becomes the implanted Word of God in us, and it grows up strong to bear much fruit in our lives. I will close with this. The final part of Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says that when we do this, when our minds are renewed and become transformed, it says that we prove What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Wow. Think about that for just a second. As our minds are renewed and then our actions are affected by that, then we begin to walk out our destiny in line with God's plan for us. That in doing so, we are actually proving or demonstrating To the world, the very purpose and plan of God as he intends it for our lives. You prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God over you. Do you remember what the Lord said to the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 29, verse 11? He said, I know the thoughts, thoughts again, that I have towards you, says the Lord, Thoughts that are good and not evil to bring you a future and a hope. You see, the Lord has good thoughts, always has had good thoughts, never has anything but good thoughts for us, His children. That's what He wants for us. And as we are renewed in our minds and think more and more like Christ, then we are continuing to see what those good plans and good thoughts that God has for us are unfold in our lives, and then we begin to see and think along those same lines that God is seeing and thinking for us, the destiny that he has carved out for us. We begin to step into that and walk in that in the fullness that he has intended us to. And I'll just remind you as we close that we cannot do that on our own. We possess no natural ability or strength to transform and renew our minds into a different state of what God is wanting us to do. We must have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us in order to do that. If you're listening to this message today and you say, Pastor, I I want to renew my mind. I want to to think differently. I would even say if you are in a situation where you know that your thoughts are dysfunctional and unhealthy, and you feel like you're maybe bound up in a prison of these thoughts that you just can't seem to get out of or break out of, I want to encourage you today to open up your heart to Christ. Maybe you've received Christ in your past, maybe you never have before, but to take a step. In the direction of living your life for Him, surrendering your life and exchanging it for God's plan for you, and begin to allow the Holy Spirit, who's living on the inside of you, to renew and transform your minds continually every single day from this point on as you allow the Word of God to wash over you like cleansing rain and begin to purify your inner man and transform your thoughts and your ways of thinking into ways of thinking like Jesus has for you. You say, Dear Father God, I pray that you would come to live on the inside of me, Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that he suffered and died for me so that I could be saved. I want to live for you and for you alone, God. Would you come live on the inside of me, Holy Spirit, and help me to become the person that you have created me to be. I give my life to you today. Would you transform my mind, renew my mind, God, so that the old ways of thinking continue to be dismantled and tore down and exchange them for new ways of thinking that are heavenly and align with your ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Well, listen, I just want to encourage you that we are here for you. We would love to connect with you and help you move forward in this journey of faith that you're on and becoming the person that God has created you to be. In a minute, you're going to hear some information on how you can do that very easily. But in the meantime, let me just say that we are praying for you. We are trusting that God is moving in your life as you are willing to yield to Him and the things that He has for you. We look forward to seeing you again very soon. God bless you and have a beautiful day.